1: this is Rob Dukes from Exodus, and you're listening to Talking Fucking Metal. Rock Rock over London, Zurich, Auckland, Dublin, Dallas, Dallas. Milwaukee, Los Angeles, Sydney, Indianapolis, Tokyo, Seattle, Paris, Budapest, Berlin, New York. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, two men who are committed to rocking you wherever you might be, John Astronomy and Mark Striegel. Welcome to the Talking Metal Podcast, broadcasting around the world from TalkingMetal.com and StriegelsMusicNews.com.
2: Hey, it's John Astronomy. I am here with Mark. Mark picked this place, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're here down on Avenue A. We're both getting our guitars set up across the
3: street, actually up the street, and um, we figured we'd meet up here for a quick podcast. It is a coffee house on Avenue A, sustainable, and uh, the kids are all here. I guess they just got out of school and their parents bring them over here, so you can hear them talking in the background. But anyways... Let's uh, get into a little music and then come back and talk about metal as we always do and hard rock. This is Viking Skull Start a War.
2: That was Start a War by Viking Skull, a band now featuring Jess Margera, brother of our friend Bam Margera. So we got a great show, Mark. Uh, We got Rob Dukes of Exodus on the show. We hung out with him at one of our favorite bars, Circus, the other day.
3: Yes, we did. He's a great guy uh, and just really... I can't tell you, I had a blast interviewing him It it was a lot of fun, we hung out in the back room there at Circus And just talked about all sorts of stuff From Exodus to Star Wars And you'll hear that interview shortly But in the meantime, let's get into a little Exodus This is a slight, little, short sound sample of Bonded by Blood And this is the new version of the song With, of course, Rob Dukes on vocals Bonded by Blood by Exodus by blood pick up the full version of that on itunes yeah so we're hanging out here down on avenue a with the kids at the coffee house (laughs) so Lon friend has a great article up on his facebook page uh, called of matt and metal it deals with kevin dubrow and also the movie the wrestler i highly recommend you guys go read that some sad news overloaded one of our favorite bands from michigan has broken up how about that
2: Man, Eric uh, was one of our friends. We consider him a friend. He was always uh, on the Talking Metal forums, and he was a frequent letter writer. And uh, we just were big fans of Overload, and we're sorry to hear that news. And uh, we hope that some new stuff is going to come out from Eric and the gang. Yes,
3: it doesn't sound like it, though. He's going to L.A. to try out for a band out there, so we'll see what happens. We read a letter on the, one of the last podcasts talking about the uh, Ace Frehley tribute that Dimebag Daryl yeah. did, and we forgot to mention where that came from. And I don't even know. Is that from Return of the Comet?
2: I realized that we forgot to answer that, and I'll tell you, it's a little confusing. Dimebag and Vinnie Paul did two tracks for two different albums that both came out right around the same time. One was called Spacewalk, Walk. Uh, salute to Ace Ferelli, and the other one was called Return of the Comet, a tribute to Ace Ferelli, and I actually was on Return of the Comet. I did a track with uh, Richie Scarlett and Mitch Weissman. If you guys don't know who Mitch Weissman is, he is the original Paul McCartney in the Broadway play Beatlemania. He is a great friend of Kisses. He sang on Gene's solo album, and then he went on to write songs on... Animalize and, uh, you know, he hung out with those guys. He was actually at one point best friends of both Paul and Gene. Uh, and he gets some really good stories. But here's the deal, guys. Uh, Spacewalk, you can probably find that online somewhere. It's possible that it's still for sale. The Return of the Comet has long been sold out. But there is a website... If you do some searching on Return of the Comet, you may come up with a website that has a couple of free MP3 downloads. I don't know if the Dimebag track is one of them, but it's definitely worth checking out. And uh, just search either Return of the Comet or Spacewalk. A salute to Ace Ferelli.
3: Guys, big news. Rob Dukes will be joining us at the Screaming Metal show this Friday. It's probably the next day after you hear this podcast. This Saturday, I'm, I'm sorry. This Saturday, Rob Dukes will join talking metals band Screaming Metal at Dingbats in New Jersey at 11pm we go on and Rob Dukes is going to get on stage and play Seek and Destroy with us you probably heard that in the last podcast we actually played that at the end of the podcast us jamming with Exodus and uh, playing Seek and Destroy so uh, come on down it's going to be a great show Screaming Metal featuring Dan Lorenzo Alan Pecchio Ron Lipnicki Metal Mike will be there it's going to be a blast and Rob Dukes will be joining us on stage for Seek and Destroy.
2: I can't wait. It's going to be great. I think Metal Mike is going to join us on that track as well as another track, and uh, it's going to be great. Guys, we have a major announcement to make. Uh, By now, you guys might have already realized that this has happened, but if you haven't, you've got to check it out. Talking Metal was once on vh one Talking Metal, as you know, was on Fuse. And now we are proud to announce that there is brand new Talking Metal content on MTV.com. On the Headbangers blog, definitely check it out. Go to Headbangersblog.com. Our Metallica Guitar Hero segment is now an MTV segment. Yes, yes it is. And we will have uh, maybe a news item in our news
3: section about that, I think. So check that out. Links will be up there. Uh, Boy, we are still getting letters on Chinese democracy. Dave Anderson from somewhere in Utah wrote in, it was sweet to see that not only did Bumblefoot play some of your gear on Chinese democracy, but he also thanked Mark and John in the liner notes. I love Talking Metal. It's exciting that you guys have been able to have guys from Guns N' Roses on your show. But how exciting is it for you to be a part of GNR history, like Del James or St. Louis? Awesome stuff. And he goes on to talk about how great... Chinese Democracy and Guns N' Roses in is in his email. Thank you, David. I'm sorry we're not going to read the whole thing. We're kind of pressed for time and uh, maybe slightly burned out on the Chinese Democracy emails. I'm not burned out i them. I'm just afraid the the listeners are getting burned out on them.
2: I can talk about Chinese Democracy forever as well as, as Mark can, but uh, we were just slightly concerned that uh, some of the listeners might, uh, you know, be a little tired of it if they're not a GNR fan. But, David, we thank you for your letter. Enjoy Utah. You're probably skiing right now. Check one. Hey, guys, we're back. There was an incident. Sorry for that. One of the children knocked the recorder off the table. We have moved down the street to a place called Hi-Fi, which used to be a club called Brownie's. Yes, and our
3: recorder seems to be working, although it's making a strange rattling sound now. I don't know what that's all about. Hopefully it's all right. I hope that this is recording. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, we'll get right to the Rob Dukes interview. I wanted to mention that we got an email from Alan Roberts from Life of Agony. Uh, He's a big fan of Talking Metal. He told us in the email, and uh, he sent us a link to a trailer for his new comic book, which is coming out, which you guys should check this out. It looks really, really cool. It's going to be a comic book series called Wire Hangers, and you can check it out online at wirehangerscomic.com. Our friends over at Metal Dogs, myspace.com, slash metal dogs with a Z, rock, have posted a picture of Ozzy, my dog, on their uh, MySpace page, so you can check that out. And uh, that's about it. We have... 5,350 friends
2: now on MySpace. That is pretty cool considering the fact that we don't even really ever request anybody and we're, we're barely even on the site. So imagine what would happen if we actually really put some time into it. And uh, you know what? I'm starting to get into the MySpace, the YouTube. Uh, you're the Twitter maniac and you know it's cool. It's like talking metal is all over the place. I also wanted to, to mention that Alan is also in a band called Spoiler NYC which is pretty cool.
3: Alan Roberts, yeah, from Life of Agony, cool. And he said, if we're doing any jamming, give him a ring. He'd love to come down and play some bass with us.
2: Very cool, very cool, Alan. We'll definitely keep in touch. So, guys, we got to explain a couple of the cool things about the uh, Rob Dukes interview. We we mentioned that uh, Rob's well, Rob mentions that his father w- was at the interview with us, and it technically wasn't his father. But listen to this, guys; it's it's really funny. There was this guy. How old do you think that guy was?
3: Well, he was probably not as old as he looked. He looked about 80. He was probably, like, you know, 70.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's this is place, the Circus Bar guys. During the day, you get guys in their 70s hanging out. During the night, you get girls like Gina Romantica, who if you go to the Lady Space page, you'll see her in earlier on. You'll see girls that look like that behind the bar and we interviewed search tank in there um velvet revolver has been in there and that's where we decided to interview rob dukes but what was funny is sometimes you get a spillover of that day crowd and there was a dude passed out looked 80 probably 70 for half of the interview and we wanted to get a photo of it but what happened was during the interview he got up and like stumbled away because one man was taunting him earlier on i don't know did you catch that yeah, one of the guys who worked there was like,
3: oh, I'll get rid of that guy for you. Yeah, So, yeah, it was kind of funny. I know we mentioned that we're going to take a picture of him in the interview, but we don't because he escaped. Uh, yeah, so follow us on Twitter, like John said, and uh, check us out on YouTube.com slash Talking Metal. Why don't you subscribe to our YouTube station because we are putting content up there almost every week. There's a new video going up.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, We're working with a great guy. His name is Jay Bones. This guy is all metal, and he has done some great work for us. Plus, Mark and I are doing some videos on our own. we got some stuff with uh, Rob coming up that will be posted very shortly, if if not at the same time you're listening to this. And uh, we're just constantly popping out with new videos. Some of them are uh, winding up on MTV.com. Some of them are winding up on our YouTube page. A lot of exciting things are going on for Talking Metal right now. Yes,
3: so why don't we get into a little music Followed by the interview Followed by more music
2: How about some Rob Dukes solo stuff? Definitely Want to hear the instrumental first? Okay, this one is called All Dead It's an instrumental by Rob Dukes Brand new music in full Right here on Talking Metal Followed by the interview with Rob Dukes Cool,
3: send us an email TalkingMetal at Yahoo.com Check it out
2: John Astronomy, we are back at one of our favorite bars, the Circus Bar, Midtown Manhattan. Here with Mark Striegel and our very special guest, Rob Dukes, lead vocalist of Exodus. How you
1: doing, man? Doing,
2: we're doing good. Last time we did an interview here, we did uh, Serge
3: Tankian from System of a Down, and now we got Rob Dukes from from Exodus. Rob He's
1: awesome, Surge is killer. They, uh, the album he did with Buckethead, uh, the song he did with was uh, Buckethead's my, my favorite. But that guy, uh, Surge is cool, man. I dig that guy. And my dad's here. Everyone, you know, we'll get pictures of him later. You know what I mean? So, not
3: really Rob's dad. We got a, a guy who uh, we'll, we'll just we'll just say. Let's take a picture of this guy and we'll put it up in today's show notes. He's hanging out with us. It's the three of us and our new friend. But uh, all right, let's start things off with Buckethead then. Uh, why is Buckethead so amazing to you?
1: Uh, he just hands down is the greatest guitar player to ever walk the planet. He is uh, truly amazing. I have uh, I have about twenty five albums of his stuff, and it is uh, he is truly just every style, but plays it with such soul and and just uh, the guy is just a truly amazing artist and is my favorite uh, guitar player in the world. And, you know,
3: so. Yeah, and I mean the one thing a lot of these shredders don't have is the soul that that guy has, which I think is just. Amazing.
1: Oh yeah, he's like it's like listening. You ever listen to um, uh, Blow by Blow, Jeff Beck? Sure. You know, and then the, the following album after that was a completely different style. He like every Jeff Beck always changed the style with every album and did it, it well.
3: Wired before Blow by Blow? Is that was the album think, one
1: after? I think Wired was after. I'm not really sure. It might, I don't. I don't really know. I know I have them both, but. Uh, I know that the the styles, he always was really good at changing his styles. And Buckethead doesn't actually change his styles. He just puts them all different on one record and does it over and over again. But he plays, I have like acoustic albums by him that are just, and then I have other ones that are just noise that are just, he just makes, just truly an amazing artist. And I, you know, just uh, in the last couple years, man, has just blown me away with the stuff that he's done. It's uh, blown me away, so...
3: Have you heard his stuff on the uh, the Guns and Roses uh, Chinese Democracy thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's actually the the one the stuff I really did like. You know what I mean? I thought uh, you know, I don't know why he uh, didn't use, the, use them use on all the songs because the ones that Puckhead did, you can tell right away it's him,
2: and they're very. I thought that was they were pretty cool. So, you know what I think is great, Rob, about you is that you have such a wide range of music that you like. A lot of fans, I think will think that if you're an exodus and you're the singer of exodus that when you go home that's the only type of music that you're into is like exodus style metal but but you're into jazz you're you started out loving punk uh tell us about some of the stuff that you listen to that maybe the talking metal fans wouldn't realize that you're gonna like
1: um lately uh, it's been uh, i've been listening to a lot of uh dj stuff like dj like trance stuff like dj shadow um there's this guy DJ Nome that's really cool. You, he actually uses Aquatine in between all the songs. It's really really funny. So it it, uh, it lightens it up and and um, he puts like uh, he, he'll put like Biggie Smalls over a Dr. Dre beat. Like it's kind of he really and he mixes like one song. He'll use bits of four or five different songs with beats underneath and and have the vocals remain the same. It's really uh, pretty cool. And DJ Shadow, Cut Chemist. Those two guys are cool. Um, When I'm in the car, I'm usually listening to Miles Davis. Uh, uh, That's, like, my favorite driving music. And if I'm angry or something, man, it's Rain and blood. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, I mean, uh, I do throw in Slayer now and again. Uh, I still listen to punk rock. Agent Orange is a a pretty good band. I I like uh, listening to them a lot. Um, What else do I listen to? Lately, uh, and and Buckethead is uh, the mainstay in my uh, musical. uh, That's kind of a constant, like... Um, every day when I'm in the, you know, that's, uh, I, in my iPod, that's usually the, if you look last played, I think it'd be Miles, Bucket, and, you know, uh, probably some DJ stuff. Do you know Buckethead? No, I've been trying to meet him, man. I went to three of his shows this year. Uh, I, uh, sent him some CDs and stuff. Um, and I've, uh, met the bass player, uh, that one guy. And let him know. I, you know, I was a fan and stuff. I, you know, uh, I did try. I went to one of his shows and I heard him talk. I heard him yell at the the guitar tech guy when his rig blew up at BB King's and he uh, stomped off stage. It was pretty great. It was awesome. Man. Oh shit, he's real. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, yeah, I haven't met him yet. I, I hope to. You know, I, I would love to. Man, he's uh, he's pretty
2: awesome. So we should set in motion a Rob Dukes Buckethead composition together.
1: That would be awesome, man. Uh, yeah, if you can make that happen, uh, by all means, you know. Just, I uh, just want to shake the guy's hand and say he's awesome. That's it. So,
3: speaking of collaborations, it was just about one year ago today, uh, February fourth, two thousand eight, that we uh, jammed with you on a Metallica classic, and then you went straight to BB King's and put on a killer show, which John and I were both at, and just wanted to take the time right now
1: to thank you for that. Uh, it was a really amazing experience for Talking Metal. Oh, it was fun as hell, man. It really was. It was a good time, and I'm glad you guys are, you know, it's you know, it's cool when uh, things like that can make other people, like, happy. So, you know, it was fun to do. It was, uh, it was really uh, no, uh, it, you know, it was just fun. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, harboring in any way whatsoever. So, and plus the show was great. I wish I felt better. I was actually very, I was actually kind of sick, but... I wish I and I got to meet uh, Bumblefoot too, who I've uh, stayed in contact with and become friends with, and you know, we talk occasionally and stuff. So I was going to sing on his record, and my girl got really ill, and I missed the uh, missed the session, so I didn't end up on his record. But we said we're going to work together in the future. So you know, it's pretty cool.
2: Did I ever send you the photo that was uh, just a close up of you and Bumblefoot no. after? Okay, guess what? I will send that to you <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right on. Thanks. Cool. Well, there.
3: Is a lot of stuff going on in the world of Exodus right now, and we're going to get to all that. But I first want to just turn back the clock a little bit, and if you could explain to the Talking Metal listeners how you actually first got involved with the band and how it felt. Like, what feelings did you actually have to know you were going to be joining this legendary metal band?
1: Um, well, the first time, it was uh, 1985. I bought Binded by Blood on vinyl, and then I bought it on cassette so I could play it in my car. That i didn't even have uh, wasn't even legal to drive yet. It just sat in my driveway, and I would go out and listen to uh, tapes in the tape deck that I had installed. You know what I mean? And I had the home speakers in the back seat. Remember? You remember doing that? And so I had, uh, you know, um, you know, the muscle I had a you know a 1970 uh, uh, Le Mans uh, SS, you know, with a big 400 in it and uh, all big tires. And that was my, you know, I was a true old school metalhead. I, I've been listening to it since forever. And then. Um, You know, life went on, and and I kind of, you know, everybody does what they do. And then um, I started, uh, I moved to L.A. in, in, uh, in like, 2001. So I was out there, and I was uh, working for different bands, um, guitar teching for different players, and and doing different tours. I ended up with a phone call one day. I was actually working with Dave Navarro. And and then one night I got um, a call to go... uh, Be uh, do a tour with Megadeth and and, uh, Exodus, and I ended up on that tour. And then you know I was a fan of you know. Remember the first day being on tour, Dave walked up to me and was, "Hey, I'm Dave." And I'm like, "Dude, you're I'm Rob, and I've been listening to you forever." (laughs) You know, and Dave was really cool. And uh, you know I was on the bus with the Exodus guys, and um, me and Tom were huge Tenacious D fans. Like we were huge, so we were we and I knew every word, and Tom knew every word. So we would sing Tenacious D at the top of our voices and smoke cigarettes and sit in the back and. And, uh, and we had a great time and at the end of the tour um, of that tour um, they asked me to get up and sing one of the songs with them I sang Deranged with them in, in Portland and um, I guess Tom had seen something that was kind of a, a you know had the ability to sing so they asked me to you know him and Gary called me after that tour and said hey you want to come out and audition and, and, I, and I did and, and honestly man like they told me that it, it, we went to NAMM that year uh, together and I because um, I lived in LA so I met them over at NAMM and um, we, uh, got to the talk. They said, yeah, man, you know what? You're, you're going to be the singer. And I was like, great, you know, and I spent the next four months, uh, learning the back catalog and, and learning stuff and doing shovel head. And, but it really was the, uh, you know, it was like a dream, you know, always to be in a band and be on tour and see the world. And, you it never kind of happened, you know, you know, of all the musicians in the world, I am one of those people, those lucky people few that get to go do what I've always you know wanted to do since since I can remember I I, you know since I was a kid I remember loving music more than anything else it was it was my savior you know whenever things were bad you always had music to rely on to make you feel better or make you feel worse if that's what you chose to do you know what I mean and uh you know I don't do drugs I don't drink you know I I, uh music is pretty much all I had in my job and I, I took every job importantly and I've taken this one the same way and I'm hugely uh, grateful for my the experience and the chance because I was one of those guys that just in the right place, at the right time, and had a little bit of talent enough to get my foot in the door, and then that spurred on what I've done. And I've really only tried to make Exodus live on because you know, you know, Steve didn't want to do it anymore, and Paul was dead. So, you know, um, I'm happy to be doing what I do. You
2: know what I mean? I'm grateful.
1: So,
2: it's amazing. It is it true? That you actually drove your motorcycle across country from New York before you joined Exodus.
1: Yeah, I um, at one point in my life uh, before that, um, and I had um, my. You know, I was, it was kind of funny. I lost my. I was in a band. They fired me uh, because they said I wasn't talented enough. And then I, my girl broke up with me, like in the same couple months, like within two months of that happening. And I, and I was like, "Wow, you know what?" So I. I I uh, gave away every per- personal possession I had, uh, my all my furniture, my bed. I gave up my apartment. I gave it to a, my friend of mine, who was here from England. I let him have everything except my PlayStation Two, and I got on, and I put that in a bag, and I got on my motorcycle um, and I left, and I really didn't even know where I was going except I wanted to go to California to surf, and my I was going to finish my scuba diving instructor license, and I was going to teach scuba diving. That was my big plan, and. Uh, you know I never even got there like I got there I started working the music business and I didn't want to be in a band I was ha- I was happy being a tour manager and being a guitar tech it was you know it was actually a really cool gig and then uh, then exodus happened so of course you know I that's the path I took but um, yeah I did ride I rode my motorcycle for about four months I uh, visited family and friends I hadn't seen in years um, I uh, drove through the desert and took my time I stayed in really weird places and stayed in hotels and spend a lot of money and just did what I did. You know what I mean? So it was uh, a great, great experience to, to, it was soul searching. You know, the whole trip was, I was alone. I didn't talk to anybody. I, I, you know, I was, uh, I was definitely searching for something and I, and I found it, you know, before I even got to Exodus, I found out exactly what I was looking for, which was, I just needed to go do that. I needed to go, uh, have a goal and then obtain it. You know what I mean? And that was the goal was to, was to, uh, somehow along that way find myself and i i you know and exodus was a huge bonus like as a guitar tech and a tour manager and i was making you know i was had a good living man. i lived in hollywood i was you know I, I was banging lots of you know hot girls and i was i was having a great time man you know what i mean i really was i was uh, hanging out with really cool people and i had some friends from new york that were living out there and we had fun and and exodus was a, a was a bonus on top of all of that you know being you know, okay with my life and then having that happen. So I think if it, had, it got, the opportunity had come a few years earlier, I don't think I would have been in the mindset to do what I do. I, honestly, I think I was a little bit of a, a mess, you know what I mean, in my head. But it all worked out. So, you know, here we
2: are. What's amazing is that from some things that people would all say were a negative, you know, you, you had a falling out with your band and with your girl, what came of that was that you found yourself going across country, doing the soul-searching, and then what I think is really great is you said you were, you know, fine with that. That was great, and then the Exodus thing was a bonus on top of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, I mean, I had, you know, I hadn't, I've always had, a, a like, a tumultuous relationship with my family. Like, it's always been, a, like, a love-hate thing, and I've been the black sheep and always, you know, lived on the outside and, you and. Uh, and what happened along that trip was I had made amends to them. I had said I was sorry for my part and, and, and how things had ended up, you know, and, and then in return, um, and I didn't expect anything of that. I just wanted to say my piece and leave it at that. And my family really, um, embraced it and, um, said the same thing back to me. And, you know, and I, I, uh, since then I've been a, a better son, I've been a better brother. Um, been a better uncle, you know. I mean, I've been a part of my family that I, I was always uh, a little bit uh, hesitant. I lived in New York on my own for my whole life. You know, they all lived somewhere else, and and um, along with the soul searching, it was great to to put those demons to rest. And then, and all of a sudden, I found myself surfing and living on the beach and in, in in Venice, California, with no demons. It was awesome. You know, no demons other than the ones that I create for myself going through life, you know what I mean? So um but it was awesome to to uh to have that uh relief and and um and this way I could look on I could stand on stage and look out and be myself and and uh it, it was uh, nerve-wracking to to try to find myself up there, you know what I mean? I didn't want to pretend and be anyone else. I didn't want to like they were like, you know, that, one of the reasons me and uh, Paul Bostaff didn't get along was, you know, he 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 had certain ideas of what I should say and what I should do and and I pretty much, you know, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, I, I, you yeah. know, I was like, you know, yeah, fuck you, dude. I, I'm, I'm not gonna. He was like, you know, maybe watch, watch Corey from Slipknot, or watch Phil and, and from, you know, from uh, Pantera, and watch what they do, and watch, you know, Tom Araya. And I'm like, but I'm not any of those dudes. I'm, I'm me. And it was one of the things that hindered our relationship. I think it, it definitely uh, um, caused a, a little riff. And there were a couple other things that, that you know, one of, the, you know. Um, I like Paul. I mean, I'm friends with Paul. I don't have any. I mean, he knows if if he were to hear this, he would be like, "Oh yeah, it's pretty true." Yeah, I, you know, I did have certain ideas, and I didn't watch video of anyone else. I didn't watch you know other you know other bands and see what they did. I, I pretty much just did what I did to be myself, and in this way, I can look myself in the mirror and go, "Yeah, I'm not not you know, I am. This is what it is." And if you don't like it, you know, uh, you know, buy something else. I don't, you know, I don't. Get. I lay my head down at sleep with with a clear conscience, on on how I've gotten to this point, you know what I mean. So, that's been a, a bonus on on top of everything else that happened uh, leading up to this experience. So,
3: now you mentioned "Bonded by Blood" earlier. Listening to it in your car. Let's talk about the decision to re-record it. Let there be blood, and. Uh, Was this a decision that came from others within the band Or was it kind of a mutual decision The band just wanted to kind of update the sound of this record This classic record
1: Well, you know, it had started with a um, They wanted to record a a live performance of it, right? And, you know, um, of all the things that happen When you record a live record One of the things that happens is everything gets redone (laughs) Um, You know, the classic album uh, Another Lesson in Violence was... was Paul's last record, which which um, was basically, um, you know, bonded by blood with a few extra songs live. And the truth is, is is that everything was re-recorded, you know. So, um, including the vocals, the, the, some of the crowd stuff in between is obviously left in, but um, nothing ever. It all, you know, the only thing you can't that was remains live is the drum is the drums. You know what I mean? And even they can be edited now in today's world. You know what I mean? So. We were like, you know what? We have some studio time. We have some free time. Instead of making a live record and 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 not really being live, let's just go, uh, let's just go, you know, re-record it. You know, we had we had the studio time, and that's how it came about. And, and basically, you know, it was idea that way, we play them a little faster. We play them a little different. Um, tuning is different too, right? The, the, the tuning is the, the the tuning they use now. Um, I mean, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's a big money scam," and blah, and like, we don't make any money from this stuff, man. We don't, we don't make. But nobody, we don't make money selling records. We make money touring. You know, what I mean, that's. It was like for all the reasons that people hated us for doing this, we're like, really? That's that's all you're gonna argue? The, that's all the argument you got? It was really futile for you know. But you know what it was, man. It, listen, this is. The fans want to hear how we do them now. This is how it. Ha- this is how we do them now. It wasn't any disrespect meant to anybody or Paul or the old school fans. If you don't like it, man, the, the, you can go buy the original. You know, it's still there. So.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I think the thing that I notice about it is that I, I could actually see a younger, let's say, like a 15, 16 year old kid today, maybe not feeling what we felt by the original just because of the production value of it whereas the new version of it definitely takes it into a more modern time for me at least and and uh, and it's fierce and it just punches you in the face and i i highly recommend all you guys check it out
1: well you know what's funny is the you know there are people that still listen to vinyl and you know like you know i like that old school sound and the uh, I, are you insane? Are you are you cra- are you fucking kidding me? You'd rather watch something on VHS than fucking Blu-ray? Are you out of your fucking mind? You know the drums on there are like in a tin can, and there's so much echo on Paul's voice. I mean, dude, granted Paul was great. I, you know, I'm not taking nothing away from the guy, but you know, without the echo on there, it, it was really really flat and dry. And you know, I, I love the record, but you know, that was the the hindrance of that record was the was the was the sound, but the vibe is awesome, like, the, you know, some of that could not be recreated, and uh, you know, like I said, the old one's still there for the people that don't want to listen to it, this was basically redone for people that want to. we wanted people to know, this is how we play now, we play them faster we play them slower on some parts we play them heavier, and our sound is is, is really quite different than it was and you know what, man, band, you know bands that recorded in 85, I wouldn't be surprised if most of them would be like yeah, I'd really like to go do that because I play better. I mean, Gary plays better now. It's twenty years later. Paul, you know, Tom plays better now. You know, uh, so it's kind of like uh, just one of them, uh, one of them things that the, you can't, you can't win them all, and you're not, you know, you're not going to please everybody. So whatever.
3: And atrocity exhibition exhibit B is happening, correct?
1: Correct. It's uh, it's been. We started it. Um, we, you know, we have some tours coming up. We're gonna keep riding on those tours. Uh, like, I, like I was telling you guys before, I got a, I made a, a, I got a mobile Pro Tools studio. So I'm gonna bring it on the bus, and we're gonna be able to, to you know, pre-produce stuff and 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 come up with ideas. And you know, uh, I think some of the things that we originally written a long time ago um, might not hold water now because we're in a, it's a different life. You know, it's it's taken on a life of its own now. It's a little meaner. It's a little little darker. You know, uh, it's. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, the, the idea is to, you know, surpass yourself with every record. You know, I mean, that's so, that's basically what, uh, what we're trying to do. And I think some of the things on the last record had needed, just needed to be tweaked um, on, the, on the stuff that you guys haven't heard yet because we haven't, you know, recorded it yet. Um, the stuff we did record, we're like, you know, this, that rips great. This one, eh, not so great. You know what I mean? We could do better than that. So I think that's why they didn't end up on the record. Um, but you know, for the most part, we all have uh, the idea that it's going to be faster, darker, slower, meaner—you know, the, all the all the adjectives you can think of to throw in there. But um, it's just going to be—it's going to be a better record. I'm not trying to hype it up or nothing, but uh, you know. So.
2: What I think is cool is that you are recording it on both coasts, and tell us a little bit about how that works. But, only, only the Let There Be Blood. The the other one. Um,
1: the next one, like, a, like I said, I'll be on the bus with them, and then I'll probably go out to San Francisco for a few months, and you know, and, uh, and stay while we do that. Um, you know, I, I live here, you know, so it's hard to bounce back and forth a, a lot. I, I mean, I do it uh, on a regular basis, but I don't really enjoy it. Neither is my girl, like you know. So, um, but we did the. What happened was we did the vocals. They did all the music there in like a, in like a week or a week or two. And then um, basically, uh, I have a server here, and they bounce the songs onto a server. I pulled them off, and then and then put them into my uh, my my Pro Tools uh, rig. And then I brought them to my buddy's studio, and I just did the vocals. And then when I was done with it, I would send it back to. I would put an MP3 form, email it to Gary, and Gary would say, "This is great. This needs to be tweaked," you know. And he would go through it line by line, and then and that's how we did the whole record. And I did the whole. I did all the vocals in about ten days. About a, a day a song, you know, a song a day. I mean. You know, so it, it worked out, you know, I thought. Cool. And amongst
3: all this Exodus stuff that you got going on, recording, touring, you're also staying busy with, can I call it solo stuff, uh, or is it? You know?
1: um, yeah, I'm making a solo record uh, by myself. Um, and then I have, uh, I have like, a, a couple different things going on. I got one pro- project... Don't know what we're calling it yet. It, we can't agree on a title. You know, um, it's me and Rob, it's me, uh, Rob Machete from Propane and M.O.D. What's the two bands he, he's been, been in? Uh, Sam from uh, Mortician is a drummer, um, and then uh, my friend Jay Trenzer, and uh, and and uh, my other friend Lou. And we're gonna. Um, it's a like a thrash record. It's a little hardcore. It's a little punk. It's a little a little bit of everything man honestly it's a it's a really cool record we just finished drums and guitars they're doing bass um tonight actually and uh and then i'm gonna start and maybe tonight later and go do some vocals and and uh you know i've got all the lyrics written i wrote all the lyrics they wrote all the music um me and jay wrote one of the songs he wrote uh riff i wrote the other riff it's uh kind of doomy and dark and like real sabbathy kind of thing um and then I have this other record I'm doing. is just me by myself. It's uh, it's music that I wrote by myself for myself. And then my friend was like, "It's really good. Let's record it." And then I'm doing an, um It's basically just rock, just you know, uh, just rock stuff. And then I have a. a I'm making another record of just uh, kind of like a, I'm actually got the, inspired by Buckethead, and I and I made a. It's just a transient record, no vocals, all music goes from anywhere from hip hop to uh trance to, to jazz to um I, I got a Rollin five oh five and a, and I just uh just using weird sounds and shifting them and making them weird and putting them drum beats underneath them and you know using uh movie clips and cartoon clips and stuff and just making like a weird hour long record to uh, record to paint by i don't know watch grass i don't know it's not anything it's just i like it and i'm gonna put it out i'm not even gonna sell it i'm just gonna down you can download it for free on my website pretty soon so i'm not even i'm not even gonna really mix i'm gonna mix it as best i can so and it which isn't very much you know i'm not very good at that yet so um, but i'm trying i you know I just, i've been taking pro tools lessons and going to classes and uh, learning how to be uh, do stuff and record stuff so i've been uh, been staying busy man like on this trip and i'm making a dvd an exodus dvd we four years of uh, touring. I've got all the video and I'm editing it all together and we got a Valken DVD coming out. Um, we played Valken in front of 80,000 people and they got it on a, on high dev 12-camera uh, shoot. And so it's awesome footage. 80,000 people, $10,000. I mean, 10,000-person wall of death. It was insane, dude. It was, uh, it was really cool, man. It was, a, it was a lot of... That was a, of the show of my life. It was the reason that we do this. It was 80,000 people screaming... Yeah. And watching us, it was awesome, dude. I was, you know, it was so surreal. I don't remember doing it. Like I was, you know what I mean? It was like walk before I walked on stage. I looked out, I saw the crowd, I threw up, and then I walked out and played for an hour and got back on the bus and said, "What just happened?" You know what I mean? It was uh, it was fucking insane, man. It was it was a cra- you know. It was the reason I, I lived my whole life to do that. I mean, I said after the show, if I died right now, it'd all be good. I'm, I've been a cartoon character and I just played in front of eighty thousand people. What else, You know, what else is left? You know so so were you a cartoon character on Metalocalypse uh, yes I was I was on uh, in episode 12 season 2 um, I was uh, the newscaster uh, or the the spokesman for the, the coffee company and I was one of the voices in the hospital along with Gary and Lee and Jack and Tom um, we were all uh, on that episode along with uh, Mark Hamill and Malcolm McDowell. So like I'm like I'm like one step away from uh, you know meeting uh, Luke Skywalker you know what I mean and, and uh, Alex from Clockwork Orange you know what I mean it was uh, that cool I actually have the screenshot of the of the all their all our names together and I blew it up and put it on my wall it's like uh, you know it's, I framed it and it's pretty rad dude Lightly, it was cool as fuck yeah
3: and the guys in Metallica do some voices on that show right
1: uh, they actually did a, yeah they did one one or two episodes like early on like you know before that yeah so yeah for season one yeah. And, uh, and and Brendan, I was a huge fan of Brendan's show before that, which is a show called Home Movies, and been a, a fan for years. And he showed up at a at a gig in L.A. and you know we started talking, and after ten minutes, his girlfriend was like, "You guys should go out because we we have all the same interests." Like we just we we talked for hours. You know what I mean? We're both fucking huge Queen fans and Buckethead, and just had all these geeky cartoon references, you know, cuz I'm a huge comic book collector and, and and just we knew we had all you know, and we've become friends since so it's been really cool that he uh, allowed us to come on a show and it was really great. It was a great cool experience. It's in the DVD like uh, showing us seeing us do the voices. So it was pretty we're, really cool. Cool thing I did in my life, you know. So awesome stuff. Now, I've been reading the um,
3: Star Wars Legacy comics. I'm really getting into them. They're they're a great read and it has inspired me to start reading the Star Wars novels, and I understand that you've read some of them, and I wanted to ask you which ones you could recommend.
1: Um, Tales from Jabba's Palace is awesome. Tales from the Bounty Hunter uh, is all about uh, Boba Fett, is absolutely brilliant. Um, it's, uh, actually, no, Tales from the Bounty Hunter are about all the bounty hunters that you see in Empire Strikes Back. Bosque. Yeah, Bosk, all of them. You know, uh, IG88. They all have a story. And then there's one um, also, uh, Hard Merchandise, um, which is a hard tar- is is a uh, it's all it's three novels. It's about Boba Fett. It's uh, it's awesome. They all they're they all go in order. Boba Fett loses he, he after in 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 episode uh, six when he falls into the pit of Carcun, he gets out. He and then he goes and gets new armor. And the, these three books take him from once he goes into the pit like once he falls into the hole you know how he for the next three novels is a story it's dude it's brilliant uh, Tales from Jabba's Palace is great Tales from uh, the Cantina every character in the bar has a story and this book covers the whole bar um, those are all brilliant brilliant books um, uh, actually the Clone War books by Karen Travis are actually really good too I started reading them those are those are they're kind of newer, uh, and and Karen Travis is really good. Um, the the of the older ones, uh, some of the, there's two bad two books. I forget who the author is, but they take place a thousand years before Episode One. They're about the original Jedi and and and, uh, and the Dark Side guys. So it's it's a you know original. It's a thousand years before. It's called a, a Path to Destruction, and it's all about this guy called Darth Bane, who was the baddest. Motherfucker Ever walking. Was he a Sith or? He was a Sith Lord And he was the Baddest motherfucker Ever dude He was He, was, he kills Everybody He's awesome And he's, uh,
2: he's uh, In the first two novels And I'm waiting For the third one To come out I uh, bought a book From the book club When I was in grade school Called Splinter Of the Mind's Eye Are you guys familiar With that at all
3: I, I never read that But I know th- I know what you're talking I read At that age I read uh, Han Solo At Star's End I don't know if you Remember those
1: yeah, I'm not familiar with it. Uh, I was actually uh, kind of you know, into like graphic novels, and, and Iron Man was my favorite always. It's kind of funny that you know I say that now that the movies come out, but I truly was, a, a, as a kid, Iron Man was my favorite. And the fact is, he was a drunk was awesome. And he was like, you know, you know what I mean? He was recovering out drunk like, like myself, you know? Um, and then he started drinking and became a bad guy for a while, and then, you know, got his shit together and... So, yeah, I'm, w- I'm wondering if they're going to play on that in the-, in the next movies to come. I kind of hope they do. It's kind of kind of a cool idea. So, you know.
3: So how long have you been sober for?
1: Uh, March will be 16 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's a great. That's a great. Yeah, it's just uh, the way, way it is for me, man. You know what I mean? So, you know.
3: I feel bad when asked you to come to a bar.
1: <laughs> no, I go to bars all the time, dude. I, I live on a tour bus with a bunch of drunks. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, uh, it's my personal choice. I don't ask anybody around me to live their life any different than they do. I don't judge anybody for what they do. You can do coke, do whatever. Th- I don't care. As long as you don't affect my life, I'm all good, and, you know, and I don't uh, impose my will on anybody. You know, This was a personal choice for myself. Um, I just reacted differently when I, when I took drugs and drank. Man, I was a fucking asshole. So,
2: you know, try not to be now, you know? Well, good for you. Uh, I wish some of that would rub off on me. <laughs>
3: Rob, last time we hung out, you mentioned that you're a big Queens of the Stone Age fan. I wanted to ask you
1: what your favorite songs and or records by Queens are. Uh, Kaya Sky Valley. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, but I love Queens. Uh, the first record's awesome. Uh, Rated R is great. Uh, actually, they've, never, they've not put out a bad record yet. Even uh, the last one uh, was Irrevolver uh, Alas or whatever uh, um, great record uh, you know the first album is, is by far my favorite uh, Regular John's one of my favorite songs um, Queens of Stone Age but Caius Sky Valley is really where Josh really you know that whole I mean anything by Caius I like but J- Josh has really always been one of my favorite musician guitar players sing, you know later became a singer and just I love the style that he, you know I, I love to I love to get invited to the desert sessions that would be fucking that would be a dream come true you know what I mean not that I ever will because I'm but you know it's just one of those things like I have all the desert session stuff i have uh all of John Garcia's um solo stuff with uh, unita and uh which I, I like that album a lot too man it's really great and uh you know anything he touches man i i, I enjoy I just uh queens is one of my favorite one of my favorite bands you know so
3: you prefer them with Nick Oliveri or uh, like both lineups?
1: It doesn't matter, honestly. I mean, the whole the the the, the tonality of that comes—you can tell that Josh is the it was the is the genius behind that. If you you know if you if you think that music's great, you understand that Josh is the is a driving force behind that. You know what I mean? How it how it all comes across? You know what I mean? Um, I saw it as Kaya's later on. The, I think the reason they stopped stepped away from John was. They not, weren't looking for more commercial success. I think they were just looking for a better structure because Caius was definitely all over the place. But Sky Valley is one of the best albums ever written. I mean, it, from from beginning to end, there's just flashes of complete brilliance that that span the spectrum of music. I mean, they they fall into every. It's like I I used to I used to think that it was like the Dead Trippy meeting Sabbath. You know, like Trippy. And it was just heavy, but groovy and crunchy. And and uh, I hate the I'm not a hippie, and I don't really like the Grateful Dead. But I imagine that if I took a lot of drugs, that I wish my music would come out like like that. You know, I, Kai, I I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. I still I listen to kaya Sky Valley probably once a, a month. Like that, that passes through my oh I need you know what I need to listen to that record. You know, and you know, so that that and, and Queens of Stone Age is one of those other records that I play on a regular basis. You know, along with, like, Rain and Blood, you know, it's one of those staples of my life that just, oh, I love that album, Queen, News of the World, once a month, you know, boom, gotta throw that one in, you know, so uh, Beastie Boys, you know, throw that in once a month, you know, the the stuff that I grew up my whole life on, but, yeah, Josh Holm is
2: absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant songwriter, you know, kind of, you know. Well, Rob, thank you very much for taking the time to come down to the Circus Bar and hang out with Talking Metal. And we look forward to hanging out with you in the future and on tour with Exodus. Right on, dude. Thank you, man. Awesome. Right now we're going to hear some more Rob Dukes. This is My Whole Life by Rob Dukes on Talking Metal. See you later. Check Rob out on his
3: MySpace, which we link.